And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome into Ant Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Going to talk Cubs fresh off a sweep of the Giants. Uh, someone pointed out to me that it's the second time in, you know, what is that, eight years or so where the Cubs had a very important uh, late season sweep of the Giants at Wrigley uh, to to punctuate some of the wild card race, right? That was 2015, wasn't it? That they had, and like the Hector Rondon loaded the bases and then struck out three guys in a row. That was that series, right? I think it was. Um, was that the one where, uh, where Madden pulled Hamill, Hamill Jason yes. Hamill early? Yep. Okay. Yep. Where th- that became like our predicate for all future conversations of like, Oh, they're not messing around now. There's, all yeah, right. Star, Starlin, uh, Starlin had also recently been moved off shortstop. It wasn't that's that right. game. It was just before. Um, that's right. That's right. Um, and then he took. And then I seem to recall he bounced back like really well down the stretch after that. I think there was he got moved. He sat for a bit and then yeah, got he was, moved he was put in timeout for a little bit. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Well. yeah. All right. All right. Well, hopefully. I don't know. Would you take the same? I, I wonder for Cubs fans if you would take the same outcome that uh, maybe the Cubs win a wild card series and then uh, I guess back then they got to, to take out the uh, Cardinals in the divisional series. Won't, won't quite have that available this year, uh, but uh, I would definitely take. I'd probably take two series wins and then an NLCS loss this year. I I don't think I could complain about that. Uh, okay, so. The Cubs, with that sweep, uh, they're now three and a half games clear of the third place team in the wild card. So that's that is the biggest um, lead, I guess, if you want to call it that, that they've had in that spot. Game and a half behind the Phillies for the top wild card spot. Game and a half behind the Brewers. Thank you, Pirates, uh, in the NL Central. And so you know, Cubs are are right there in, in terms of being able to take either one of those spots and secure a home field wild card series, which, you know, we've talked before about how much does that matter in the wins and losses, not necessarily a ton, but I know fans would certainly probably love to have that series at Wrigley field. So I'm definitely pulling for it. Um, This series against the giants was, you know, marked by, again, it looks like just a bad giants team. I don't want to take anything away from the Cubs performance, but 
I have no idea how this Giants team was in the wild card race to begin with. It just they just it's terrible. I was talking uh, with a buddy of mine at the game, and it's like, who are their guys? You know, other than Logan Webb, it's like who who are their players that are carrying them? And it's and it's very hard to come up with because they just don't seem to to have that many. So, I guess kudos to the Cubs in that regard for for doing what they were supposed to do and taking out the Giants. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how it's working out now, huh? The that that weak stretch for the Cubs, they had to they they weren't playing their best, but they were able to to still win each series because they're just good enough to do that. Uh, and the Brewers were in the middle of this supposed impossibly tough stretch, and the Brewers just kept winning. And now the Brewers are losing to a bad team like the Pirates and letting the Cubs back in this race as the Cubs kind of take off here once again. I mean, it, it really they had like a little blip over the weekend right that's it that's that's what we're looking at otherwise it's it's a really nice stretch like one big hit on friday night and another one on saturday night and we're talking about a nine game winning streak uh they're playing really strong all around you brought up 2015 uh i mean obviously the big difference is pitching development right that that was a bunch of young players stepping up in 2015 bunch of young players are stepping up again it's just in the pitching side of things that Wicks look Wicks is you know I that outing wasn't the type of outing where you're like oh this guy's a stud but it was the type of outing that it's like man he he does not get frazzled he's not going to overthink situations he's he has a lead and he's going to just continue to throw strikes he doesn't care that the wind is blowing out he'll trust the defense behind him uh you got to respect that. I mean, he wasn't he I think he had one strikeout in 6 and 2 thirds innings, but he didn't walk anyone. He just pounded the zone. He was just like, "Okay, beat me." Like I got a defense behind me. I got an offense that can put runs up. I'm not scared. Uh Assad goes tonight and he's kind of he's slowly but surely turning that corner of like, "Okay, I just trust that he's going to give you a good outing now, right?" Uh, so it's, I mean, it, it, obviously we talked about Justin Steele. He's he's a stud, but it's, uh, it, it's really interesting to see. I didn't know if we'd if this would pan out, if it would it would come to this. Uh, like the, these guys are these guys are impressive. The going out there, and I don't care who who the opponent is, but when the pitching performs like that, I, I think it's impressive, and and it's something that we just haven't seen from this organization in a while. Uh, so to see kids stepping up in September, pitchers stepping up in September, uh, I think that's big, uh, especially with all the injuries we're seeing. And we can get into what's going on with the bullpen, if you want to call them dings or whatever. But it, it's they they have reinforcements coming, and, and they have guys that are stepping up, and, and this team is, is legit. We, we have to – I mean, fans are going to fan, right? Fans are going to freak out with every loss, but I think this team has – if they've proven anything – one bad loss here or there isn't going to sink the ship. Like they're they're a pretty strong, resilient group. I mean, Sahad, have you said it before we started recording? Like this team isn't going away, and that doesn't really guarantee future success. But I mean, you got to admit, like these last several weeks, it's become months, uh, has totally changed the or confirmed maybe the trajectory of this organization. I mean, when we're talking buy or sell uh, a couple months ago it was like you know to what end here i mean your two best players were 
almost certainly going to become free agents. We're talking about Marcus Stroman and Cody Bellinger. And there were a lot of question marks about some of these, you know, perceived potential core players, whether it was uh, Seiya Suzuki, uh, Justin Steele had not yet become an all-star and a Cy Young Award candidate. And you see the amount of young talent that stepped up and, and contributed. Uh, it's it's impressive. I was even looking at uh, Jim Bowden on The Athletic yesterday had his, you know, 12 prospects who just missed my top 50 who will likely be there in 2024. You got three Cubs hitters there, and at least two of them uh, already at double a like there's a lot of talent coming a lot of where the cubs used to felt so stuck for years there's just a ton of options here opening up and that's more of an off-season uh future conversation but it is totally part of the context of the day-to-day here that the like this is kind of the really the beginning of something well and that's all right and it also does tie nearer term back to the bullpen conversation because what we are seeing and yesterday was a perfect example of like if you have so many options just so many useful players more than you can use you will inevitably need them because the Cubs leaned so heavily on certain guys for so long this year that they got into a place where you're going to need Jordan Wicks to come up and and cover innings as a starter. You're going to need Daniel Palencia to take another step forward and be a, you know, solid, reliable reliever. You're going to need someone like Luke Little to come up and be like, oh man, where has this guy been? And it just seems like really strong organizations do that every year, particularly on the pitching side, particularly on the bullpen. As you, It just feels like always in August and September, they've got young relievers coming up on mass to backload and fill and the, you know, guys get hurt because that happens. And it just, is like, well, next guy, next guy. Oh, this is your opportunity. And, you know, for as, for as successful as the Cubs have been in cobbling together effective bullpens over the last 10 years, something we talk about a lot. I don't know that it's been what it is now where it's like young guys coming up who are, Like Luke Little is a perfect example. You could have evaluated him a long time ago and known that's a big league caliber arm, but there had to be an opportunity. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like you're just pining on the next guy to come. It's, it's, well, we've got a full bullpen and we've got other options and it's, you're going to get a chance when you get a chance. And it feels like that's what the best setting aside, starting pitching, setting aside defense bats, it just seems like that's what the best organizations do on the bullpen side is that they just constantly have young controlled guys coming up to backfill, especially late in the year that you, you know, you get to the postseason and it's like, who's this guy? He came up in August and you know, I don't know. It feels good. It especially felt good yesterday to see that with Wick starting Palencia bridging and then Luke Little closing it out and looking exceptionally nasty in his big league debut. Yeah. And I mean, when you talk about player development, it's also identifying, like, when do we make some changes here? When do we do something different here? And and they saw early on in this season, in the minor league season, with both Palencia and Little, it's like, maybe it's time to make a switch here, and, and these guys are bullpen arms, and we fast-track them. Like, maybe that's the best, best uh, path for their player development 
uh, and and it, they were right, right? So far, it looks like they were right, right? And you don't have to abandon starting for either of them completely, right? But, I mean, I think Luke Little especially looks really good as a, as a reliever, and, and that's what, what his future is and probably the case for Palencia. But they're, they're both stepping up. I mean, it's one inning for Little. I, I, it was nice to see him get, I think it was all righties, right? It, it, I believe it was all righties. So he, he doesn't get like a very soft landing, uh, I mean, you know, we just talked about the <laughs> the Giants' offense isn't that intimidating, but it's not like he got a bunch of weak lefties to go up against, and he just utterly dominated them. He looked good against a bunch of righties. I think that's two guys that you need to step up down these final weeks. I mean, it was a big topic uh, before the game yesterday. Like, what's up with the bullpen? Uh, I'm sure fans have noticed. Like, Alzali hasn't pitched since Friday, right? He didn't look that great when he did pitch on Friday. Uh, this is this is a normal stuff that happens that managers have to deal with with bullpens. But right now, it sounds like uh, their their decision is you know Alzali isn't going to go on the IL because it's it's a normal type of bumps and bruises. But but he was down for an extended period. I think he was available yesterday, but maybe not. Uh, it, we got one of those. As far as you know, uh, he's available. So so that could have been like, uh, you know, I'd prefer to keep him down and, and we'll use Merriweather if, if needed or or hopefully there's a blowout, which there was. So so we don't know for sure. We'll see how long Alzali is out. I think that's kind of up in the air. We, we just don't we just don't know. I think if, you know, maybe if it were uh, uh, August, he'd be on the IL, right? This extra bullpen arm maybe maybe helps. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not I'm not super clear on that, but clearly he's not he 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 needed an extended break, and that the Cubs can continue winning and and give him that extended break is important. I think having Luke Little up is important for Mark Leiter. You know, Leiter's still going to get those highest leverage moments against lefties, but this at least gives him an option, another option with Smiley. But Little's more I, I think more swing and miss. Uh, to kind of put up against the lefties, right? Uh, Palencia stepping up. Quas, I mean, what a revelation here, right? I mean, I know the peripherals early on were rough, but he's starting to, like, he's the walks are limited now. Like, the last few outings, he figured out his slider. He changed it. They changed the grip. They're going with the sweeper. He figured out something that, you know, we talk about player development. It doesn't stop. Like, it doesn't stop but just because they're in the majors now. Uh, they the pitching coaches noticed something with his uh, with his index finger still being on the ball when he released the slider that was screwing up the movement making it inconsistent he slightly tweaked the grip now it's a spike grip and he's he's got a sweeper and and he's learning to command it and if you notice like there were some times where he was just like whipping that through the left-handed batter's box uh, kind of regularly well, he's he's adjusted and he's figured out how to command that. And now he's and now he's actually I don't think he's walked a guy in his last four outings. I wrote this four or five outings, something like that. His ground ball rates above 50 percent. Uh, he just I mean, I know you're, you're going to look at those strikeout and walk numbers, especially with the Cubs and be like, oh, this is going to end badly. But I think he may have figured something out. And he's he's primarily as long as he limits the walks like. It's ground ball, soft contact. You know, I don't think he's going to rack up a ton of strikeouts. Uh, it's a 
I mean, him stepping up has been huge, and he's willing to pitch whenever. He's kind of like this, I mean, I guess you have a lot of side armors like this that are just like workhorses, but I just remember Steve Ciszek just being like, don't ask me if I'm if I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go, and that's Quas. Quas is, I've worked too hard, I've come up through too much shit, too, through too much shit to, to, to say I'm down. Like, I was a FedEx delivery driver four years ago or whatever it was i'm not i'm i'm pitching <laughs> like don't ask me <laughs> right right so i mean you have all these i probably missed someone i mean like you have all these guys stepping up and and it's and it allows lighter Merriweather and alzalice a little time off and it's not panic uh i don't i don't really remember a time when you could say that where okay the three guys that you lean on in the bullpen they're going to have to be down for a little bit, or we're not going to rely on them as much, uh, and you can get through those games. It, granted, great starting pitching, and the offense is just pouring on runs lately after that little blip over the weekend. Um, it, that helps a lot, too. But it, it's nice to see these emerging arms. It's it's important. They're going to be needed. They're not just like here to... To learn they're they're here to help the team and and you know continue what they're doing we're rolling through uh these these wild card contenders uh great steve c reference by the way our friend jesse rogers would point out that while i don't know if he delivered packages for fedex but wasn't his nickname speed pass because he used to pump gas and that was like the payment method I don't know if that was after he entered professional baseball or not, but uh, certainly someone who appreciated the opportunity and knew when to take it and not be like, oh, I'm you not never really, know what you're going to. I'm not really you feeling it today, Skip. Right. You know, like, uh, I'm not really feeling it. Like maybe tomorrow. Like, no, this is a team uh, totally filled with urgency. And I think uh, the coaching staff does deserve credit for their workmanlike approach of being able to like fix things in real time i remember in spring training when like every pitcher was throwing a sweeper and it just got it totally jumped the shark of like you know asking like you know cody bellinger like, you can be throwing a sweeper today like it was just like you know that's great like you can work on stuff in the backfields or the pitch labs but to Sahadev's point over and over again like can you translate that into real games in front of huge crowds at wrigley field and this coaching staff for years now is good at fixing stuff. I mean, you can look at what happened after last year's trade deadline, how well they finished uh, after trading away their top three relievers. And that's just, you know, another sign uh, of a healthy organization that you can bring these guys up uh, in a way that they have to fill a specific role and not like, uh, be franchise saviors or anything like that. And um, I do think Assad has kind of crossed that bridge to where you know he's going to – the game's not going to spin out of control for him. And that obviously happened with Kyle Hendricks the other night too. You know, the Giants got up early. Wisniewski gave up uh, that big home run. And I don't know, from where I was sitting in the press box, I didn't start writing like, oh, you know, you know the Cubs lost this game. Like I was – honestly fully anticipating the Cubs to come back, which is like a weird, not saying they're going to win, but you just know they're not out of these games. They have, as Sahadev wrote, a lot of different ways to win, and that's yet another sign of a good team. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And it's not even like they have this powerhouse offense or that you would look at it and say, well, the it's just such an overwhelmingly deep and strong lineup that, of course, they can always come back. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's weird I don't know what you guys think about this, but some of it's the offensive environment this year. But I believe I saw the Cubs. So they've now had as many double-digit games uh, as the last three years combined this year, I think 22. And it's their most double-digit scoring games in a very long time. I won't throw out a year because I can't remember what it was, but it was a very long time. And I do wonder what that is about this year's lineup in this offense where it's it is really well balanced i think that's a factor i think they have a lot of different types of hitters which affords them the opportunity not to get sort of completely owned on a lot of days by like oh it's just a really bad pitching matchup for like the seven guys in the lineup we're all the same type of hitter um but i just i wonder where these uh, you know, continued outbursts of offense are coming from, from a group that's like, you know, it's a lot of slightly above average hitters plus Cody Bellinger and um, say is really turning it on, but guys go through their fits and spurts. And uh, it, that, that too has been, I guess, heartening when they do fall down early is like, well, but sometimes they have those huge games where they score a lot of runs and you just never know when that's going to come. Uh, I, I would, I don't know. It might be an after the season thing to dig in on, how it is that in some ways this year's offense is better than like those peak Cubs years with a bunch of stars up and down the lineup. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, we talked about it a lot, like diversity of the lineup. I think that's part of it. I think uh, part of it is, you know, uh, Barnhart's not there anymore. Mancini's not there anymore. Hosmer's not there anymore. 
So where is the huge weak spot, right? Where is the easy out in in the lineup? I mean, even uh, Madrigal, I want to say, is probably like a 90 way to runs created plus. Um, he's still putting up really good at bats. He looks good right now. I know it's not like hit after hit after hit, but he looks good at the plate. Uh, and then Jan Gomes is like league average and just a really tough out. I mean, they, like, these are the bad guys in the lineup, the bad guys. When I, I'm using, you know, air quotes, because I think they're, I mean, nobody's going <laughs> to complain about what Jan Gomes has done this year, right, offensively. I, I mean, he's he's come up with big hit after big hit. Those are the weaker points of the lineup, and they're delivering. And and then you have stars like uh, Cody Bellinger, Seiya Suzuki's playing like a star. Ian Apps hot right now, and that like I think that has a lot to do with it. Where you have this one consistent superstar in Bellinger, because that kind of like solidified everything when he came back and got really hot. Like that kind of changed everything on the offense. Because now it's like okay, we have this consistent star. Now we just need two guys at a time to step up. Okay, Swanson and and whoever are hot. Swanson and Nico are hot. Okay, Hap and Sayer are hot. Like, if you just have two other guys kind of stepping up, it, it can work, right? You prefer, like, more, obviously. You you want Atlanta's lineup at all times. But but right now, it's I mean, it, that it's, it's a pretty solid formula, and they succeed in different ways. Remember how that was the big issue? Once Dexter and, and Zobris were gone, it was like, these guys are susceptible to high fastballs and breaking balls away. You throw that, they're done. They're cooked. You, you don't have to change up your game plan for each hitter. It's just one method to get almost everyone out in the lineup. And and it became simple to game plan for the Cubs. That That's absolutely not the case now. Like, you cannot say, like, well, the Cubs, all these guys struggle with this. We put this type of pitcher out there for uh, a few innings and, and they're going to go cold that that just doesn't happen even even some of the bad games it's like a moment here or there where you're like oh if that ball falls if this happens like they 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 break out like I mean it, like I look at Friday and Saturday as perfect examples it was like oh they just needed to come through with one big hit in the first inning and that game completely changes on Friday right uh, Saturday there were a couple hard hit balls early and they let Abbott settle in because those balls didn't fall and that happens. That's baseball. But this team is not like, and it's not like, okay, we're going to go cold for a, a week and a half now. That I keep, I've been waiting for it. Uh, believe me, I've, I've watched enough of Cubs baseball over the last few years where you think like they've turned an offensive corner and and then it all goes to hell. It hasn't happened. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to assume that, that there, this is a different type of offense and, and they're, they're can really grind through teams and, and put up runs it's 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 impressive to watch offensively I, like the pitching it was almost like I trusted the infrastructure that was in place that uh, like okay maybe maybe they have some stuff working here but the hitting has really impressed me this year I I, that, I mean that's that's obvious thing that's a surprise right we talked about it coming into the year pitching and defense that's how this team can can win and now they have this powerhouse offense I I did not I don't think any of us really saw that coming yeah, I asked Kyle Hendricks about that the other day of like what makes this lineup a little bit uh, different, you know, t- to game plan for. And I, I've been wondering about this for a while. I think that's a great point, Sahadev, about like, you know, opposing managers try to find those lanes, right? And the Cubs, you know, post Dexter Zobrist, uh, our offense broke. Uh, Theo era Cubs were, you know, fairly 
hot and cold or nothing, all or nothing. Um, and so I can steal your ideas later, Brett. What, when you say um, kind of the offensive environment, like what were you getting at? Because that just didn't jump out at me immediately. I'm just sure that, there are things. Yes, no, no, no. Just that scoring is up in general. That, okay, that okay, okay. Slightly, you know, so you're – your 10-run game this year is like a 9.7 run game okay. last year. I mean, obviously, I'm sure there's some sort of uh, conspiracy theory about baseballs, maybe, or I don't know. Uh, th- there has to be some other broader pieces that, like, I'm not thinking of right exactly at this moment, you know, before I anoint them, the 1927 Yankees. But it is noticeable, right? Like, every time the Cubs would fire a hitting coach, like, we'd look up, you know, how many games they scored three runs or fewer – and I forget which year and which hitting coach uh, got canned, but it was like an absurd number, right? I'm thinking like three runs or less in one of those, you know, 18, 19 type seasons. It was almost like, I want to say like 60, 70 games, right? Like it was just a, it, there a was staggering a, it, number of low yeah, scoring games. It was games. like a thing. I yeah, remember it was yeah. like a specific storyline that they had like a, they rated out as like an, a decent offense overall. Right, exactly. But then it was like they had an absurd number huge, of games that they just yeah. did nothing. Yeah, and huge yeah. clumps of like high-scoring games that made the overall numbers look better than it was. And you obviously had star players who had good seasons, but it was like just absurdly bad for a huge chunk of the season. I mean, I think you just figured out the real answer to this question. It's got to be hitting coach Dustin Kelly, right? That was – they just they had to they had to cycle through about 14 guys – uh, regular and assistant hitting coaches, and they finally, this is what they found. I mean, I, I sort of kid, although I do wonder, uh, personnel has to be the main thing. You know, that's what we've been talking about. It's it's the lineup diversity, and it's the, the quality of the bats, and it's all these things, and it's sort of a little bit more matchup optimization. I, I do think there's something there. But you do wonder, there's been a little bit more continuity on the hitting side organizationally once Justin Stone kind of got his people in place, once they got a little better aligned between what they were doing on the minor league side and the big league side. Uh, side note, by the way, for whatever it's worth, the hitting coach at AAA right now, of course, is John Maley, who was the hitting coach who sort of started a lot of the progression of like, oh, really, they're getting rid of that guy? Um, and a lot of Iowa Cubs have had really tremendous years this year. So I, I think that's a fun, fun little connection there. Um I think I wanted to just note one thing on Javier Assad before we wrap. Um, so the question I'll have in watching him in his next start is because he went so deep last time, pushed close to 100 pitches, you know, just, just a more a deeper, more intense outing for him than he's had. You always want to see how does a guy, a younger guy, less established respond after that, like physically, will he still be in a good place and that would be a really good sign if he comes out, I think, looking strong and sharp and commanding his pitches. Um, also, to that end, Jordan Wicks going uh, deeper in each start so far of his three, went 6.2 um, this last time, but also just in terms of batters faced. It was, it was actually a pretty sizable jump from his first two outings. So you'd love to see that. And um, Kyle Hendricks' outing that we we didn't really talk about much. I chucked some of that up to the wind. I mean, it was howling out the last two days. He gave up a couple homers, and I mean, whatever. He's been effective overall. So, point there being, Cubs continue to be in a good place. I think starting pitching. We 
we know the issues with Jameson Tyone. I'm not going to continue to dig into it. Just the extraordinarily, extraordinarily large volume of really hittable pitches and guys are just not missing them when he throws, I don't know, when he throws a meatball this year, guys just do not miss. And I don't know what that is. And it'll be interesting to explore in the off season. Um, he still gets his swings and misses, still gets the strikeouts, but it's like when he makes a mistake, he gets hammered. I don't know what that is. I've never quite seen that before where, uh, you know, pitcher, if you dig in, it's like he's doing everything okay, maybe a little worse than last year, but okay. It's just that when he makes a mistake, crushed. Whatever. Cubs offense have, uh, you know, they've got the bats to overcome it, clearly, as we've discussed. So um, I think that about sets it up from where I'm sitting. You guys got anything else you want to throw in ahead of this Diamondbacks series? Diamondbacks are four games behind the Cubs right now. So, you know, if they were to sweep the Cubs in four, they would be tied. Just Zach just... Gallen on Friday, right? Let's see. I mean, they've they've, they've beaten some good pitchers. Well, he's lately, been terrible lately, so. so. Oh, has he? I haven't even no, I didn't I mean, realize I'm, that. I'm, and Merrill Kelly on Saturday. He's been down Okay. Um, but, yeah, you're right. They have faced, they've faced some very good pitchers the last couple of weeks and have been competitive. Um, you know, like, do if, for example, the, the – I guess we didn't talk about, but Logan Webb in the Justin Steele outing, the Cubs did just enough, you know, like he, he wasn't pitching poorly, but they did enough. Um, okay, cool. So the Cubs have four this weekend against the Diamondbacks. Um, like I said, one and a half out in the central, one and a half behind the Phillies in that top wild card spot. So it continues to be an intense and good and fun time. And hopefully the Cubs can keep the winning going. Still haven't lost a series in about a month now. That's, that's wild. Um, this is on to Waveland. Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor. You can get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That is Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get theirs at The Athletic. We appreciate you listening as always, and we will talk to you again early next week. Take care, all. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.